something today that's a little different than the past is the ability to pivot, to shift, to change. About 20 years ago, the pace of change was manageable. That ability, that adaptability, because the pace of change today is so fast that we have to change with it. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you done started. Talk to him. Attorney, high-performance coach, and speaker Cherie Prince asks hard questions to really get to the bottom of what makes entrepreneurs tick. From starting a business, marketing, strategies, and the ins and outs of their industries. We talk everything from book recommendations, lifestyle hacks, and everything possible to get you inspired and motivated to build your own business. The Play Big Faster podcast starts now. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. I'm your host, Cherie Prince, and we're joined in this episode by Robert White. Robert is a mentor to growth-oriented executives and the entrepreneurial founder of Upspring and ARC International with over 1 million grads. Robert, 1 million grads? That's impressive. <laughs> it's a million 300,000 now, it's, and it didn't happen all at once. It took 25 years to do that, but it's something I'm proud of. Let's start from the beginning. You say it took 25 years. We're going to start when you were just a twinkle in your mom's eye, and then you can maybe speed us up and give us some tips for entrepreneurs and how your life as an entrepreneur has really shaped how you see the role of entrepreneurs in the industry now. Sherry, I teach and coach a lot around purpose, about becoming clear about your purpose for being here on the planet and doing the work that you do. And that's usually very helpful to executive, the executives I work with, but it's also informed my life. It came out of my own life experience. And my first life purpose, even though I could not have articulated it for many years, was I'll never be poor again. I grew up in poverty and abuse and a, a kind of a rough beginning to my life. I made the conclusion that I was not a twinkle in my mother's eye, but rather an annoyance and with an alcoholic father who died at when I was 14. I've been an entrepreneur since I was eight years old. I literally shoveled sidewalks in the winter and mowed lawns in the summer and sold magazine subscriptions door to door and scraped gum off the sidewalk at the local Dairy Queen in midsummer. That was my worst job ever, by the way. And But I always had something going. And what that led to was an early career in radio where I did work for someone else for a, a series of radio stations. By the time I was 14, I had the highest rated top 40 radio show in the state of Wisconsin. My customers were, my listeners were me, my peers in those days. Nights and weekends, that's radio for kids. Uh, so I did well at that. I made more money at 17 than my father had ever made and graduated most likely to succeed in a class of 300 from high school. And life was looking good. I spent the next 10 years making my fellow classmates who elected me wrong by uh, having an early marriage that failed, felt very guilty about it, and was carrying that guilt with me and didn't know what to do with it. I had uh, three heart attacks and my little business was failing. So a friend of mine who knew all of that uh, pushed me into one of the early human potential movement trainings. And it sounds like a cliche all these years later, but it changed my life for the better. I woke up 
And the following year, even though that seminar had not a word in it about money, I tripled my income. And the year after that, I, it went up 10 times. And I just started doing really well in, in lots of areas of my life. I was very grateful to that seminar experience. So I sent my friends, I sent my sales force, I recruited a bunch of people. And that company found out about me as a result. And the founder, whose name I didn't even know, called me one day and said, would you come out to California? I'd like to meet you. And 10 days later, I was president of that company called Mind Dynamics. I did four years of working for someone else, but in a very loose structure and where I, it was almost entrepreneurial. Uh, incredible experience, which included the first two years straightening out the U.S. business. It was already a successful business. It was just a mess and organizationally. The genius that put it together was great around the training, designing and delivering it, but he wasn't a business person. So I was able to contribute. And the last two years of those four, I spent running around the world setting up foreign subsidiaries, which was an incredible experience for a young guy. The one country I said no to, ironically, was Japan. It was too expensive. We were too busy. A lot of reasons for that. The ownership of Mind Dynamics changed, which meant I no longer wanted to be there. And I resigned. I started LifeSpring. You mentioned that, that company. Six months later, I sold the company to my staff and moved to Tokyo. So I've spent 23 years of my working life abroad in Japan, Hong Kong, and mainland China in terms of residency and built a company that was in seven training centers in Japan, two in Taiwan, then single training centers in Seoul, Korea, Manila, the Philippines, Guangzhou, China, and Sydney, Australia. We had 240 people, including 70 full-time trainers, and that's how we reached a million three hundred thousand people with these four and five day intensives around leadership using experiential learning tools. So that's my background along the way. I did write a best-selling book, a recorded program on Nightingale Conant that's been award-winning and a bunch of positive things. And at 46, I retired. That speech is getting too long, Sherry. I retired to Aspen, Colorado. I built a big home and bought a jet, did all these nouveau riche things for the kid that grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. And so I did a lot of, you get the symbols. So I bought all the symbols and was on six nonprofit boards, had the incredible privilege and pleasure of traveling with the late John Denver for six months, producing a program to create a sustainable environment. An amazing experience. I remarried, adopted two special needs kids, had two birth children, raised four great kids, skied 80 days a year. Life was very good for me. Lost control of my business, lost $30 million and went back to work. So today I work with other people like me, people that run companies that own them or are investors in them or executives in them and the medium-sized growth market. And a lot of it's based on what I learned by working with a million over a million people, but also based on my own experience as an entrepreneur. So you win some and you lose some as an entrepreneur. I'm certainly an example of that. If you had someone who was thinking about starting his or her own company today, based on all the years that you've worked in different companies, the businesses that you built, what should they be considering first? 
First is, are they madly, insanely passionate about what they want to do, about what their product or service will do for people? And I'm talking about in being at the almost insane level of passion about it, that you believe in your own product or service, because you're going to have a lot of naysayers. And that would come, that would, for me, that comes out as tip number two is most of the people around you are not expert in entrepreneurial business or in your product or your service. And I'm not saying don't listen to them. I'm saying listen to them carefully. There's a tendency for negativity to come. You, you're not prepared for that. One of my trainers, uh, after I closed my company, came to me and said that he was going to start a restaurant. He's a brilliant trainer. He worked for us for 17 years. Had a degree from Brown, the Ivy League school, a master's degree. An incredible guy, but he couldn't sell. Uh, in about two years after he left our company, he tried to sell his own services and failed miserably. And so he tells me he's going to open a restaurant. He never owned a restaurant. And I came home and I told my then girlfriend, she, she asked about, she knew him. She asked what happened at lunch. And I said, and I puffed myself up, the experienced entrepreneur, and said to her, well, he thinks he's going to be successful in a restaurant and most restaurants fail. And I just told her all the reasons why he should not open a restaurant. And she looked at me very quietly and she said, well, I think he'll be hugely successful. <laughs> and, I, and she had never been an entrepreneur. <laughs> and I said, why do you think that? If I recall correctly. And she said, you know how we've been invited to his home for dinner twice? I said, yes. She said, have you ever noticed that there's a great music playing in the background and he's got this beautiful art on the walls and everything on the table is perfect and then the food is amazing? I said, yeah, that's all true. She said, that's why he'll be successful. His restaurant was a smash hit. It was called Amore, Italian for love. And, uh, and uh, with Northern Italian food, and he greeted everybody at the door. That He hired a chef, a good one, and he made people feel very welcome. And, it, and he ended up doubling the space and was just hugely successful. But back when my point, I think you have to be passionate. And secondly, you have to be careful who you listen to. Joining entrepreneurial groups, uh, various kinds of coaching and training groups are out there doing a lot of research on the entrepreneurial journey. If people email me, I'll send them an article I wrote about being an entrepreneur that might be useful. Something is a little too long to cover here, but Robert at extraordinarypeople.com ask for my entrepreneurial thoughts and I'll, I'm happy to send them. I love entrepreneurs. I love their spirit. I love their willingness to risk. I, will, I love their hard work and I want to support them in any way I can. Now, you mentioned that you have a book. Tell us what we can look forward to if we pick the book up. The book comes from the, it's called Living an Extraordinary Life. And some of my friends explained to me, they said, I love your book and I'm buying copies for my family and my friends, but I'm a little disappointed. And I, of course, I would say, why are you disappointed after that nice compliment? They'd say, it's not about you. It's not about Robert. And I don't look at myself as an extraordinary life. I do look at a blessed life that I was blessed to get some guidance early in my career that served me well. And there was a lot of as a result of that. But the book is not about me. 
The book is about the interaction between our participants and our trainers and our material. And I think that's the reason it has sold. If it was about me, it might have sold 30 or 40 copies to my family and a few friends. But it's done very well because it is about real people and the issues that they confront in life and how our material, our experience that we create, help them. And it's broken into basically three areas, which is also the name of my company, which is ARC, A-R-C. It's about awareness, you know, about waking up, about beginning to notice what's happening in your world and with the people in your world. Secondly, it's about responsibility, about taking personal responsibility for absolutely everything in your life and your response to it, to the events of your life. And then finally, communication, that developing to do anything. And I see you nodding and that's, you know, your whole life is communicating and as is mine. And developing a mastery of communication, spoken, written, uh, body language, all of the ways that we communicate. Developing a mastery of that so that you can uh, follow your dreams, whatever they are. Because whatever they are, they're going to require other people. And to reach other people, you better be a good communicator. So the three things that the book is built on and that our trainings were built on is awareness, responsibility, and communication. Is that the bold promise from the book as to how maybe an ordinary person can go from being ordinary to extraordinary? I believe so. And my former wife had a lot of wisdom that was not explainable. She's a high school graduate and she's absolutely brilliant. And one of the translations that she made about awareness was to develop a higher state of noticing. I do recommend that people read There's some great books out there, including mine. I'll add that a little bit arrogantly. Uh, But there are other great books about personal growth and leadership. There are great movies that can wake one up. I have a lot of people in my client base who, if you ask their favorite movie, they say Braveheart. Because it's about courage. And for entrepreneurs, that's a pretty important quality. If you, and this is like arguing against what I'm trying to sell. I'm going to say, you don't have to go, if you just became a master at waking up, at noticing the people and environment around you, but doing that in a responsible frame and learn to communicate, you don't need our training. And it reminds me though, when I was introducing the book, you do the tour. So the PR company sends out copies of your book and somebody reads it. And they generally come up with five questions for the on-air personality or the writer to operate around and, and to interact with me when we finally do connect. And in one of, and always one of those questions is snarky. I think they teach that in journalism school now. They got to ask one question that gets you back on your heels, that makes you uncomfortable, right? And after you do about 10 of those, you start, you just wait for that question. <laughs> the one that's designed to trip you up. So the question in one of those, I was, I, I, my excuse is I was tired. I was traveling. I'd done a lot of these interviews. So that, those are all my excuses, which is a, a non-responsible way to talk about this, right? <laughs> me being a victim of media. And this interviewer said, what makes your book different than all these other personal development books? With that tone. So I said, well, he said, oh, and he, said, he followed that up with, 
aren't they, isn't your book derivative? Prodding out a $10 word there. Isn't your book right. derivative? And I heard myself say without thought, yes, it's derivative. <laughs> the only two original books are the Holy Bible and Think and Grow Rich. And then like I could see those words in the air going to the interviewer and wishing I hadn't said that because I'm there to sell my book. <laughs> and I just told the listening audience that my book is derivative. And it is, technically speaking, and all of them. If I was answering that question today, I would add a Man's Search for Meaning, the Viktor Frankl book, as my three books that everything else is derivative of. And that's an exaggeration. But people can accomplish a lot in life simply by developing a higher state of noticing their own behavior, of the people around them, of the environments that they create, of what happens in their life. When you wake up, you take responsibility for it and become better at communicating about that and everything. Life can change quite magically. You can live an extraordinary life. Robert, if you had one piece of advice to share with an entrepreneur on how to play big faster, what would it be? Certainly what I just shared is that. I think something today that's a little different than the past and is the ability to pivot, to shift, to change. Until I think about 20 years ago, the pace of change was manageable. You could pretty much do the same thing. If you did something that was a contribution and that people valued, a business that accomplished something for people that was pretty simple, you could do it for a long time. I don't think that's true today. In my life, I've noticed in the last 10 years, the requirement of a, an incredible change for me. And I've been in a business where it's face-to-face. -face. I'm dealing with 150 or 200 people at a time for four or five days. But face-to-face, -face, along came the pandemic and I was out of business over, or with executive groups, it's 20 to 30 people usually. We couldn't, I couldn't work. And it was the only advanced skill set that I had. And I had to learn how to use Zoom and I had to learn how to dial back on a few of our exper experiential exercises, a whole lot of changes. But what I see with my clients is that the successful ones today have learned how to pivot. They're not wedded to a certain product or a certain service and or a certain way of delivering it or a way of marketing it. I think that ability, that adaptability, because the pace of change today is so fast that we have to change with it. And what worked for you five, even five years ago probably isn't going to work today. Now, Robert, we've had a lot of good gems today. How can people contact you if they need to? The best way is through my website, therobertwhite.com. And there's a tab there for resources. I offer a free weekly newsletter. I've been doing it for 15 years called An Extraordinary Minute. And it's a little, little piece of knowledge that you can read in one minute or less every week. That's a good way to connect with me. There's also a little button on there that if you want to talk about something specific, some issue you're having in your business, you can book 30 minutes with me. And also, I'm doing something a little bit new. I usually have focus on leadership qualities and the breakthrough for leader, leaders, and I'm continuing to do that. But on the advice of a couple of my clients, actually, I've put together a free seminar, Tips for Handling Dysfunctional Teams. 
a lot of the executives that I work spend an inordinate amount of their time fixing people problems and dealing with drama in the workplace and people showing up late and people not as committed to the business as the owner is, that kind of thing. And so I put together a 90-minute seminar on that. I'm going to do one on January 4th. It's free. You can sign up at robertwhiteseminarsplural.com. robertwhiteseminars.com. We'll give you the details on that 90 minutes, what we're trying to accomplish in it. That's it, also complimentary. And we've done one of them, and it was hugely successful. People are really excited about it. But it's, it's what I've learned about dealing with teams, uh, dealing with the people that make your business work. And especially today, there's a lot of non-productive behaviors going on in organizations. So I address that, uh, both identifying it, but then also some ideas of what you can do to avoid it or even disappear it. Robert, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a great pleasure, Sherry. Thanks for being such a gracious host. And until next time, play big faster. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Want more entrepreneurial content? I like this. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Already subscribed. I just clicked on it. Don't forget to like and leave a review. Share with a friend that needs this in their life. I think you need this more than I. Oh, and make sure to follow Cherie on IG at Cherie Speaks. And remember to play big faster. 